listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, we have critical information for you, data, content, and most importantly, a solution. Look, the reality is, is that you and I both know that here in America and across the world, we are in the greatest battle in the history of mankind. That's the title of a book that I wrote relatively recently. But it's true. And the the book title came up from the fact that conversationally and in my notes, uh, I would always end up saying something like that. And when I talk to people, people like you and others who know what's happening, who get what's going on, they would say the same thing. And even secular people, intelligence experts, analysts, They'll all tell you the same thing. The human race has never been, America has never been even remotely in the place that it is now. And, and, and the thing that puts it way over the top is, is this. The reality of mass electronic surveillance. That is the game changer. Mass electronic surveillance. And you, you know, and I know, you know, going back to when we were younger and we read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley in 1984 by George Orwell and stuff like that. We knew, well, what we didn't know <laughs> when we read those books way back when, what we didn't know is that the technologies that they were talking about for mass mind control and stuff like that, that those technologies were already up and running. They were already active. And so the shock was not that, wow, you know, I I woke up and in the last 10 years I realized that there's all kinds of futuristic and science fiction-like technologies that are operational, and some of them are being used against me. Well, that's not the shock. The shock should have been when you found out about it originally, because it was out in the open, you found out that all this stuff was not the the substance of some kind of sci-fi novel, that it was real. And it was happening then, and it's happening now. And every day, every year, every month, it's accelerating uh, at an unprecedented rate, you know, the the principle in economics and in other fields of of what they call exponential growth. Exponential growth is when uh, sales, uh, the amount of interest you earn on your investment or whatever, whatever product or service or asset you may own or invest in at, at, a, at a particular point when you're tracking it and it's growing, what will happen inevitably, if things go well, is it will hit the exponential curve. And the exponential curve is when you turn the corner in something, an investment, your, your life, a career, your destiny, when you, when you turn the corner on it. And then all of a sudden, it takes on a life of its own, and it's not just running, and it's not crawling like it originally was. It's flying. 
So compound interest, when interest multiplies, that, that multiplication factor, when you, you begin to see enough multiplication on your interest and, and, you, and you go through s- several seasons of wealth multiplication uh, on your investment, and then pow, you, you get into exponential growth. And exponential growth is just like it grow, your money or whatever, your talents, your abilities, it grows upon itself. It, multi- it multiplies mathematically way, way, way beyond uh, how it would normally perform in a normal set of circumstances. Now, now, this principle of exponential growth can work in the positive sense, but it can also work in the negative sense, where, where you begin to sow so many things that are like, very negative, very destructive, that they can multiply in the negative. They can multiply in their destruction. And so all of a sudden, all the problems that you didn't take care of, or uh, a nation may not have taken care of, like America, all of those problems, they begin to multiply exponentially uh, for evil. Or things that are for things that are very very bad, and then it becomes practically unstoppable. Okay, so where am I going with this? America in the beginning, the hand of Almighty God was on America. The Pilgrims and Puritans were strong Bible believing Christians who came from England and other places to settle in colonies here in America. And they practiced their faith. They knew their Bibles in depth. They had a biblical worldview. And they really lived out uh, their, their Christian faith. Now, at the, that started in the 1600s. Then at the same time that the Pilgrims and Puritans were um, um, coming to America, we were being infiltrated. The pilgrims and Puritans and their churches were being secretly and covertly infiltrated by individuals and groups that, in in many cases, believed in the opposite things that the pilgrims and Puritans believed in. So you had people like Sir Francis Bacon uh, and Sir John Dee that were communicating uh, to spirit guides in the the Enochian uh, fallen angel language. And they would be, these guys were not two bozos on a bus. Sir John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon were two of the most respected scientists uh, in the entire world. I mean, they were like, they had massive respect and power. Sir John Dee got into a little bit of controversy, but Still, they had massive respect and power. In fact, the term, the scientific method, came from, uh, that was a name bestowed in honor upon Sir Francis Bacon, because he came up with the, uh, what was called the scientific method, which demanded empirical evidence 
before your theory could become a fact. And, and that revolutionized the scientific world. So no longer uh, could you just have an opinion and turn it into a fact. The scientific method, when adhered to properly, demands that if you're going to propose a theory, you better have facts that can stand alone and prove your theory. Now, we've, we've turned the corner again in our time because we have, we, we say we believe in science and the scientific method, but the, but the reality is we don't. We believe and, and we say something's a fact based on the opinions, the private personal opinions of scientists or scientific or medical institutions. We go along with what, what they're saying, despite the fact that they don't have any scientific evidence, despite the fact that they don't have any scientific empirical evidence to prove even remotely that their theories are facts. It's just, it's just, it's just a bunch of baloney. And people will point to stuff all the time. You'll hear it on television, especially when it comes to COVID and stuff like that. You will hear the most well-known medical researchers, famous doctors, scientists, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, proclaim with great bravado they will boast that this is true and that's true and it's a scientific fact and, you know, respect science. We've made science God. Well, the problem with that is that these people are demanding that we believe in their theories, but they don't have anything to back up their theories. They don't have a shred of empirical evidence. They don't have scientific evidence to prove their theory. It's just a bunch of hot air. So that's a very dangerous place to be in, and our society is in that place now. So the infiltrators into the United States were people like Sir Francis Bacon, Sir John Dee, and others. They belonged to, to, to extremely powerful secret occult societies like the Rosicrucians, the Freemasons, um, the Illuminati and others. And they were highly organized, highly methodical, and they mapped out the United States with great precision, and they sent men of importance, and they sent men of influence and power, and they distributed the men in key locations across the United States, like certain cities, certain states uh, were chosen and selected, and they would move their, their men, their key men, their, their men of influence into these different locations. And what they were doing was establishing power and establishing control uh, over the United States in a, in a stealth-like manner. And so here we are today, uh, a long time after 1776, and our nation and our world, hidden where you can't see it, our nation and our world is controlled by a massive global network and a massive national network of 
men who were at the top of secret occult societies. They're men of enormous wealth and power. Today, we call them the globalist elite. And they, they operate and distribute their power within bloodlines, bloodline families. And so with that in mind, uh, they will only marry, despite the risk of, you know, marrying your cousin or whatever, they will only marry uh, people in their genetic bloodline, somebody that is a relative to them, hopefully somewhat distantly, uh, they will marry. So, so in, when you look at the genealogical records of these bloodline families, you discover they are related. And that, that relatedness gives them power. They're all part of the same club. They're all part of the same secret societies. And at the very top of the hierarchy, there exists um, a, a collection of the most powerful secret societies in the world. Now, that may be strange to, to your friends that are ignorant. In fact, what I just said is strange to anybody who's ignorant, to anybody who hasn't done their homework, to anybody who's not done their research. This would be a somewhat shocking and alarming statement for me to make. But to anyone who's seriously done their homework and has done serious research, um, it isn't surprising. Because it happens to be the truth. It happens to be factual. It happens to have documentation behind it to support it. And, you know, that's why they were able to analyze and understand that it's just only about 12 uh, of the wealthiest and most powerful families in the world that end up controlling the entire world because they are the richest and most powerful people in the world. They are the international banking families, etc., etc. So, when we look at America and we look at the, the moral and spiritual crisis that America is in, and when you're analyzing that, when you're thinking about that, and if you're a Christian, you should be thinking about that, you have to ask yourself the question, because you're in a spiritual war. It was God's will for you to be born in such a time as this. You're not, you're not here by accident in this time period of history. You're born on purpose for such a time as this. And you're supposed to be obeying the orders of Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to be disobeying the orders of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ didn't say, will you do me a favor? Jesus Christ didn't say, I'd appreciate it if you do this or that or whatever. No, Jesus knows that he's your creator. Jesus is the supreme being. In America, we've forgotten that very basic fact. You know, I want to barf when I hear these people call Jesus their, their daddy or these ridiculous names. Jesus may be your friend, but never forget, if Jesus is your friend or any other um, close relationship, 
Never forget that Jesus being your friend must always be perceived in the context of the fact that he is God Almighty. And you can never forget the fact, whatever close or intimate or warm name you want to communicate to Jesus, that's fine. But never forget the fact that he is God Almighty, that he is the supreme being. And in America and and the, the European nations, we're very cavalier about that. We're very, you know, take it or leave it, blase, whatever word you want to use. We're, we're, we're way too casual in dealing with that truth. Now, how did we get way too casual in dealing with that truth? Because there's an important biblical principle that's being violated. The Word of God says to you and me, your children, to everybody in this nation, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot have a high intelligence and a high amount of wisdom unless you first have a massive respect for the authority of Almighty God. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, and if you don't have the fear of the Lord in your heart, and you can kind of like give God the middle finger or or whatever rebellion you want to get into, you are totally out of sync with who God is. It is possible, the American church has forgotten this to its own demise, but it's possible to both love the Lord, respect the Lord, and at the same time, fear the Lord. Because without the fear of the Lord, you, you can't have the, even the beginning of wisdom. So, the people who infiltrated America were brilliant and very wealthy and powerful people. And what their plan was, very simple, was, was to sneak into America And they openly declared their plan. So they snuck into America so that they could create America as the head of an occult new world order. Now, your friends can laugh at you and call you a conspiracy theory. You're you're, a Christian college professor or a Christian pastor or whatever, a Christian youth leader can sneer at you. But... You know, challenge him publicly, politely, and in front of the classroom or whatever, issue a challenge with respect and ask him to pull a dollar bill out of his pocket so you can borrow it for a minute. And if he doesn't have a dollar bill, then pull out a dollar bill out of your wallet or get one from somebody else and simply say to the person you're talking to, the person in authority, simply say, look at this dollar that I've put in your hand. And and when they turn over and look at the back of a U.S. dollar bill, they will see hardcore occultic symbolism that communicates loud and clear what the secret occult destiny of America is all about. So you see this picture of 
an unfinished pyramid. That's not just any funky pyramid. The pyramid you're looking at on the back of the U.S. dollar just happens to be the Tower of Babel. Do you understand that? These occultists are shouting in your face, and they're saying, our plan for America is to turn it into the new Babylon. That, that, that pyramid that you think is just a pyramid on the back of, of the U.S. dollar bill is really a symbol of the Tower of Babel. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because if you even have a minimal amount of research, you would know that there's an uh, architectural term for the pyramid. Pyramids, in an architectural sense, are called ziggurats. So every pyramidical structure, every pyramid-shaped structure is called or labeled or defined as a ziggurat or a pyramid. So the first most famous pyramid in history was in the time of ancient Babylon when they built the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was built in a pyramidical shape. It was called, in the history books, a ziggurat. So the ancient Egyptian empire borrowed and imitated the ideas from ancient Babylon, and they built their pyramidical-shaped buildings in a slightly different design. And they built the, the, the giant and great Egyptian pyramids. But these Egyptian pyramids were also called ziggurats, made in the uh, architectural shape of the Tower of Babel. So when you look at the back of the U.S. dollar, you see that the secret societies placed a giant occult symbol telling anybody that looks at the currency what the secret plan for America is, because they put a giant Tower of Babel uh, that looks like a pyramid right on the back of the, of the U.S. dollar. Then, just in case anybody can't get the obviousness of that message, on the base or the bottom of that pyramid on the, on the U.S. dollar, it says in, in, the, in Latin the words, Nuvos Order Seclorum, which means New Order of the Ages or New World Order. So again, they're telling you the secret occult destiny for America. They're not only showing it to you, they're telling you that it's a new world order. And they're also telling you that ancient Babylon, at the time of the Tower of Babel, that ancient Babylon was the world's first new world order. I mean, they're slam dunking it right in front of you. I don't know how some of these people can miss it. Yeah, you can go to just about any church in America, ask any pastor, ask any Christian, and they wouldn't have the remotest clue in the world of what you and I were talking about. And you know why? Because they don't take the Word of God seriously. They don't read it, they don't study it, and therefore, they're ignorant. Okay, so, and I don't mean that as an insult, I mean that as a, a, an accurate definition of their cognitive abilities. They're ignorant. It's a fact. 
Okay, so now to 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 you know kind of just blow smoke in the eyes of Christians and make Christians think that their nation is Christian. They, they tacked on the words "In God We Trust" on on the top of the U.S. dollar and the back. In God We Trust. What God do they trust in? You've got a Luciferian pyramid, a symbol of the of the Satanic New World Order, and then that all-seeing eye you see towards the top of the pyramid. That's the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, or the all-seeing eye of Horus. They are shouting at you to wake up and recognize that what they are using America for is to build a satanic new world order. And there's, a, there's countless other symbols and words that uh, testify to that fact. Okay, so here we are in America right now, and if you have any ounce of sanity in you, and you can remember the former days, all you would have to do is turn on TV, look around, observe the condition of our society, observe the behavior and condition of people, observe the content of media, observe the, the sermons and the messages, observe what has happened to the Christian churches, and so on and so forth. You just make basic observations, and then it should be obvious to you that that new world order that was first built in ancient Babylon and in ancient Egypt is now forming right under your nose, right now, at this minute, and this second. They're forming the new world order right now. And yet Christians are oblivious. They're asleep to the to the astronomical danger that represents to every Christian and to the practice of Christianity itself. Now, let's remember something about the first New World Order in ancient Babylon. The first New World Order in ancient Babylon consisted of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. In addition, that the people were all one, and they spoke a common language. Now, God came down. He already knew what was happening, but he, 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 the Bible says he came down to check it out. He didn't need to check it out. He knew what was happening. And he looked into the hearts of the people of ancient Babylon, and God knew that was what was in their hearts is they were worshiping Lucifer, and the people of ancient Babylon were worshiping Lucifer and, and practicing satanic teachings, doctrines, and satanic rituals. And some of those rituals, I, I don't think I need to explain them to you because they're horrific, disgusting abominations and evil beyond evil. And all of that stuff has reemerged in America and around the world today. Sex trafficking, just as a one just one out of many abominations that have resurfaced. Okay, so, but, but you and I, God is trying to speak to his church, because you and I, every true Christian, and, and a, a 
big percentage of the people that listen to the Paul McGuire report are true Christians, or you wouldn't listen to it. Let me tell you something. The, the t- kind of individual that listens to the Paul McGuire report, uh, it's not based on age. It's not based on ethnicity or anything like that. The people who listen to the Paul McGuire report are people that have a serious hunger to understand the Word of God, and they're people that have a serious hunger to understand Bible prophecy and understand our reality in light of the Word of God. Those are the people that are attracted to this program with me as the host. Now, the people that are Christians light, nominal, lukewarm Christians that are who, who who knows if they're even saved? They they generally don't like my program. They find it offensive. Why are they offended by my program? Because they're offended by the unvarnished truth in the program. Now, out of that group of people, two different things happen. Some of them just get annoyed because they don't want to hear the truth and they get upset. But a significant percentage, because this program is somewhat off the wall intentionally. This program is provocative intentionally, and this program intentionally breaks a lot of the the un, non-essential Christian, you know, super-religious stuff. And there are the, the people that don't know God, but, but are hungry for God, but they just don't know they're hungry for God. They find something in this program that, that they're, they're attracted to, and they're they, they're the ones who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so I get notes and letters and emails and all kinds of stuff, or I meet people all the time who tell me how they, they uh, became born again, they fell to their knees in prayer. I mean, lengthy descriptions of how God dramatically saved them listening to the Paul McGuire report all over the world in their cars and, and the whole deal. So I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for you supporting that. That's a powerful thrust of evangelism. Now, but the but the other group of Christians, they're they're like you know I don't know what they are. They're they're not they're not seriously committed to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, if they if indeed they had the Holy Spirit inside them, they would have a hunger for truth. They want to know this stuff. Okay, so. We're in a, in a pivotal time now. Things have changed. We're all, we, we were already in one of the most, we were already in a time period where more Bible prophecy has been fulfilled than any, than any other time in human history. But in the last three years, the whole game has taken a quantum leap because, because of things like the global reset. COVID, um, the escalation in biotechnology, DNA, uh, genetic code technology, um, all kinds of uh, electromagnetic frequency technologies, these things have skyrocketed. And now, just in the last three years, publicly, publicly, um, they are starting to produce what is called non-human human beings or synthetic human beings. I had the privilege of listening to Anthony Patch, who's an expert on this. 
and he was uh, a guest on my TV show on God TV. In fact, if you want to see the two interviews I did with him, you can go to paulmcguire.us. So Patch's research exposes the fact that they're busy creating non-human human beings or what are known as synthetic human beings or synths, S-Y-N-T-H-S, as in synthetic human beings. Okay, the way that works, we've explained it before, but, it, but, but I want to make sure everybody's up to speed. The way that works is right now in our time period, this is already being done, right now in our time period, um, scientists, medical researchers, geneticists, etc., are using man-made DNA to create uh, human beings whose DNA and genetics have been made by men and women. You say, well, so what? No, what that means is that there are people that are walking around, that are people that are, uh, you know, a couple of months old, a year old, or whatever, all different ages. There's people of all different ages walking around who have either genetically come from an artificial creation, artificial DNA made by men, scientists, or there's people walking around whose DNA has come through the Creator God in the Bible, and uh, the Creator God in the Bible passed on His DNA to men and women through through the DNA of men and women, whose DNA ultimately on a uh, genetic uh, uh, or genealogical chart would reveal that there the other, let's say, fifty percent of the people have DNA that came from God, that came from the Creator. Now, the people who have their DNA created by God and created by the Creator, these people are being labeled uh, real human beings. They're called real human beings because their DNA is not artificial, it's not man-made, it's not synthetic, it's real. It came from the DNA of God, the Creator. So right now, we don't know what the percentages are. At one point, it may be 50-50. The percentages could be anything. But here's the thing that you need to know as a Christian, and you need to know this like real good. And if you don't know this real good, you can't fulfill the mission God has given you to save souls, to lead people to Christ, to bring people into a saving knowledge so they can live in eternity forever and ever, you can't fulfill that call of God on your life. And you better wake up right now, because that call of God is on your life right now, as me, Paul McGuire, bad English, I apologize, as, as I'm talking to you right now, as I'm speaking to you right now with my human voice, you can feel in your body you can feel in your heart, you can feel in your mind and your physical being, but you can also feel it resonating in your spiritual man or woman. What you can feel right now as I'm talking to you 
because it's resonating. It's the truth resonating in your inner man or inner woman. You know that you know that you know that God, God's call is on you. You could feel it tangibly. If it was something physical and visual, you could, you could reach out and touch it. Now, for me, Paul McGuire sitting in the studio in the Paul McGuire Report, I'm telling you right now, straight from the heart, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, presence of Almighty God. I feel it in me and in this studio, and it's so thick that if it was physical, you could cut it with a knife. That's how I want you to know something. Truth is truth. I'm not playing games with you. I'm not a little game-playing, squirt-gun Christian, for crying out loud. You understand what I'm saying when I say I'm not a squirt-gun Christian? Well, I'm not. And, 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 and you know what? I love squirt-gun Christians, but my patience runs out on a squirt-gun Christian. When you're in an all-out spiritual war, which we are, don't show up like some psychotic, gun-toting maniac. But also, don't show up show up with a squirt gun. Now, I can feel the presence of God, and like I said to you, I, if it was physical, I could cut it. It's, the presence of God is so thick in, in the studio and in my heart. If I could cut it with a knife, I would. And what I feel, the Holy Spirit prompting me, the Holy Spirit anointing me to say to you. And what does that mean? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth is anointing me right now to speak to you personally. And you know who you are because you can feel it. And you can feel the Holy Spirit calling you, calling you to save souls, calling you to, to stand up for what is right in this nation. You can fear feel the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom, telling you to be uh, as wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. But most of all, you can feel the call of God on your life. You can feel the call of the Holy Spirit on your life. And it, 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 you know, it's hard to describe, but you know, every one of you that know the Lord know what feeling the presence of the Lord feels like. And when I told you what I just told you, you can feel the call of God in your life. You know what that feeling is like, and you feel it right now. And the Lord is giving you that feeling, not because we go by feelings, we don't go by feelings, but the Lord is giving you that feeling of being called by the Holy Spirit as a, as a sign to you that the call is legitimate. Now, while I feel the, the anointing of the Lord on me in a heavy sense, and while I feel the Lord touching people, because right now in my mind and in my heart, I, I feel and know that I'm connected to, to large numbers of people in America and all over the world. I can feel it. I can't see them. I don't know their names, but I can feel 
the, the, the connectivity. I can feel the bonding. I can feel the fact that you're there now. I can feel it. We're connected by the Spirit of God, and I can feel it, and it's tangible. And God is calling you. So before I progress on this show any further, I, ha- I have to be a faithful servant to the Lord and, and do His business, kingdom business. So I need to follow up on the call. I need to check in on you, because that's what God wants me to do right now. And what God is asking you is this. He's saying to you right now, and you can feel it and you know it, God is saying to you right now, you can feel my hand upon you. You can feel my call on your life on you right now, says the Lord. And he's speaking to you by your name, because he knows you. But then the Lord is saying, are you obeying me? Are you following up on what I called you to do? Now, before you go into a downward spiral of depression and, you know, beating yourself up, the Lord is also saying to you, stop. Has the Lord ever said to you, stop? He says, stop to me all the time. Do I always obey? No, and I always <laughs> regret it. The Lord's telling you, stop. Because the Lord is telling you something right now, so listen up. The Lord's saying, I didn't call you to this meeting with me to beat you up. I didn't call you into this conversation to accuse you and belittle you and shame you and tell you what a lousy job you're doing and discourage you. That's not why I'm here. The Lord's saying, I didn't show up for the purpose of accusation and tearing you down. The Lord is saying to you now, I came here now to talk to you wherever you are. I came here to talk to you because I want to lift the burden and the yoke off your shoulders. Some of you are carrying very heavy yokes. And the Lord says, I died on a cross so you wouldn't have to carry that yoke. So if you don't mind, please allow me right now to supernaturally touch you with my dunamis power and and allow me right now to, to lift that yoke permanently from your life and allow me right now to shatter that yoke off of your shoulders without harming. And so, if you want God to do that, say yes and ask him. Simply say, Lord, I want you to do that. I ask you to lift the yoke off me, and I ask you to shatter the yoke off me. In Jesus' name. Now, just pause for a second, because right now, the power of God is coming down upon you, and he's lifting that yoke, and you can feel it. And he's shattering the yoke, and you can feel that also. And you're being replenished with his living energy in your inner man or inner world. Look, God's supernatural. There's, there's only two ways you can analyze what just transpired on the Paul McGuire report in the last 15, 20 minutes. There's only two ways to process it. Number one, I'm a flat-out, raving, psychopath, religious nut. That could, that could be it. Or, number two, I'm not a religious nut. I'm not a psychopath. 
I'm fully sane. I'm coherent. I'm extremely well-researched. And all cylinders are working in my brain. So you discern of which I am. And then go with you, go with you, what you believe. Okay, now, the other thing is the call. The Lord, the Lord knows that you're heartbroken, you're dismayed over what you've seen in your family, the nation, uh, the one crisis, one judgment after another slamming this nation. It just never stops. But the Lord is saying to you, I've put an answer in your heart, and I've given you the power to change things, says the Lord. I've given you the power to change things. So I'm simply coming to you now and asking you permission so that I can fill you with my supernatural power and fill you with my supernatural wisdom. And I'm willing to do so so far beyond whatever you think I could possibly do in your wildest conception, the Lord says. I'm fully ready to do anything that is so far beyond your imagination. And I'm willing to use you on levels you never thought possible. And then finally, the Lord says, whatever your need or needs are, I will, if you will get right with me, says the Lord, I will provide, I will give wisdom and instruction. I will turn, no matter how bad your life you think it may be, I'll turn it around. I'll turn it around. And the Lord says, the demonic armies are here invading America. Witchcraft is the fastest growing religion in America, tied with atheism, which is the second fastest growing religion in America. Our nation is in a free fall of, of, evil and destruction and wickedness and everything else. But the Lord is saying to you and me, stop. Stop. I told you about all of this in advance in my word. I told you about all of this in detail, including pandemics and economic crises. And I told you about the cashless society, says the Lord. In my word, in very specific detail, so you shouldn't be freaked out. And besides that, says the Lord, I I gave you the comforter to comfort you. I gave you the Holy Spirit to guide you. And my anointing is upon you. And my anointing will, will amplify considerably any natural talent or spiritual gift that you may have. And now I'm I'm not going to continue talking in that manner because um, I spoke to you humanly and I spoke to you in in the form of a conversation humanly. Okay? I don't believe in making something bigger than it is. I don't have this chummy-chummy, chatty-chatty relationship 
That's not what I was trying to imply. But I do have a relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, and God can do the same thing in your life, he can inspire you. And the gifts of the Spirit, like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of that stuff comes into operation because he's alive. Okay, so we're in this intense battle, and I've got to apologize. I know I've apologized before, but we have a lot of people that ordered a brand-new book, Power from On High. Um, I I had almost completely finished Power from On High two years ago. Year, no, a year ago. But then COVID hit, the crisis has hit, the whole world turned upside down, and I realized my book was irrelevant. And you believed in me, and you honored me with your donations in the pre-order, and I couldn't in good conscience cheat you by giving you a book that was irrelevant, out of date, and not connected to what was really happening. I, I felt that would have I would that would have violated our partnership. So I just got back to work and I put the book I was gonna send out aside and I re I, the rough manuscript was five thousand pages, but I rewrote the entire book so that it's up to date and it's connected to, to reality right now. So thank you for your patience. We're, we're, in, we're just about ready to set it to the printer, and this takes time. I know I, I said that before, but it takes time to send it to the printer, have it printed, and all, all the other little last-minute adjustments. So be patient. Every single one of you who did the pre-order, remember um, your name and address have been posted uh, on a mailing envelope, all ready to go. So when the books come in, there's no waiting time. In order of when you uh, pre-ordered it, it will be rushed out to you because the mailing envelope already has your name printed on it. And it's ready. And it's ready to go. So I, I pray that uh, it will be worth it will be worth the wait. I believe it is anyway. All right, this is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. We're going to be back in just a moment. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And please spread our links far and wide. And please join and, and uh, become a, a sign up as a visitor, uh, a listener, a watcher, wherever you can join up. We sell. We don't give away any of that information to anybody ever. That's private, but you and I both know you've got to have, I didn't used to do this, but you've got to have numbers in order to have the bigger doors open up for you. So whether it's Facebook or whatever, or Instagram or whatever, the, the, the more numbers you can generate, uh, the more doors will open up for you to fulfill, for, for, for this ministry to fulfill its mission. So visit paulmcguire.us and check out all the stuff we have for you. This is Paul McGuire. I'll be back in just a moment. Again, visit paulmcguire.us. We did a, I had the privilege of being on uh, Doug Hagman's show. It was a great interview with Doug. 
powerful interview. You can watch that entire interview at paulmcguire.us, or you can go to Doug Hagman's uh, website, uh, doughagman.com, or go to the front page of paulmcguire.us. And uh, if you caught the show and liked it, drop Doug a note. I have been kind of uh, reclusive and uh, really have hidden away because I had to finish the book and I wanted to seek the Lord, uh, intensely seek the Lord. And uh, I'm just going to share this briefly. But one of the things I've done in, in, in Power from On High is I've given parts of my testimony, in it, which I've never done before, and some I have in part. But the, the, the critical thing is, I, I've done, this goes back decades, but I, I've devoted my life in part to studying certain subjects, such as uh, technological power, power in physics, scalar technology, all kinds of powers, resonant frequencies, electromagnetic frequencies, all kinds of power, uh, psychological power, uh, because everything that I've studied, our military is, is studying, and our military is actually using and developing um, technologies that I could show you on the Internet, pictures and videos from the military. It's, it's declassified. And it would blow your mind what you would see. Uh, a number of years ago, I was at Malibu on the cliffs where I used to shoot a segment for the Paul McGuire Report. And I had finished, basically I had finished the segment, but the video camera was still moving. And the person shooting the camera was aiming at me as I was walking up the hill of the Malibu cliffs with the Pacific Ocean behind me, and then kind of like a, a misty rain appeared out of nowhere and, and started to come down on us. But as I was walking up the Malibu cliffs, or hiking up the Malibu cliffs with the video camera on, I continued to speak, because I, I like raw off-the-wall footage, you know, so I'm continuing to speak, and all of a sudden, the Lord transitions the message and topic I had been given. It's like, like he grabs this, like God grabs the steering wheel and abruptly swerves uh, the steering wheel. And it goes in a direction that, that I wasn't planning. And the Holy Spirit came upon me. And what happened was, it was as if uh, somebody teleported me into uh, secret laboratories. I had no idea where the laboratories were, but they were across planet Earth. And I had no idea where the location of the laboratories were, nor were there any identifying symbols or identifying people. All I knew is that I felt like I was teleported uh, and, and and like visiting visiting these a succession of these biological laboratories very quickly, and then the Lord supernaturally gave me understanding as to what the purpose of the laboratories were. Now this 
This was done like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to miscalculate this. This was done like seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. And the Lord revealed to me that was what was in those laboratories, those highly secret laboratories, was genetic experimentation where they were taking animal DNA and mixing it with human DNA and they were doing other outrageous genetic experiments involving human DNA and and matching it up to various kinds of non-human DNA. And it was really evil. And I I I knew in the spirit that's what it was. Now, I believe it was for my own protection. The Lord did not reveal to me any locations, any names, any places. Not not even it was just like I was there. But I couldn't perceive, you know, specifics. And but I did understand what was going on. And then I felt the burden to pray against the evil that was going on in these laboratories. So I did that. Now, uh, that would be, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or something. And the, the, the Lord, the, I believe the Lord, it was definitely a gift or gifts of the Spirit operating. And it was definitely supernatural and produced by the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Lord allowed that to happen to make me aware of a very sinister evil that was going on uh, that I didn't quite grasp. Now, I don't, again, I don't remember the exact amount of years back in the past when this happened. I'm, I'm guessing eight when I, when I find out the exact, uh, and I actually have, I have that clip, and I'll play it for you. I've got to find it. But the Lord allowed me to experience that because the Lord, there's something when the Lord rubs your nose in it, you, you kind of really understand what's happening. And so the Lord wanted me to know that this was not some science fiction project, some you know feature film project, that this uh, this secret work being done in secret laboratories all over the world uh, consisted of creating genetically uh, altered human beings because what these scientists were doing in the secret laboratories uh, what they were doing was mixing human DNA but they were mixing it with non-human animal and other non-human forms of DNA for the purpose of creating a hybrid race, which is a mixture of human and non-human DNA. Now, what was interesting about this supernatural event that happened to me was that at the time it happened to me, there was no big, I mean, I was speaking out on transhumanism, writing about it, et cetera, et cetera. But there was no sense of urgency and immediacy uh, at, like there is now. Like like the topic, like this topic today, right now, is like it's radioactive in the alternative media. All kinds of experts are speaking about it, you know, especially with this 
categorization of two kinds of human beings. Human beings that are man-made and they're therefore not real human beings, and human beings that are come from the DNA of God and are passed on into the DNA of man. And then these human beings are actually uh, 100% real men and women DNA. And so this is like a this is like one of the biggest subjects there is because because it's happening now they are creating who knows how many and for what purposes super soldiers uh enhancement they they are creating uh artificial humans synthetic humans and as i said before synths s y n t h apostrophe s so you have two two different races calling themselves human beings. You have the real, genetically, DNA-authentic human beings, and they're authentic human beings because their DNA comes from the Creator God who passed his DNA uh, into men and women who reproduced. And, And when you trace the genealogical lineage of that genetic code, the, the DNA is always is always coming from 100% men or women. There's nothing artificial uh, in, in in that, and those people are 100% human human beings. They're not hybrids. But there's this other large group which is growing, and these people are what are called non-human human beings because their DNA does not come from the Creator God. They did not come from uh, men and women who were 100% human. They are the product of man-made or synthetic DNA, or they're the product of uh, some kind of hybrid mixture. So, for example, when the fallen angels came down in Genesis 6 and mated with uh, human women, uh, and then got them pregnant, and then the race of the Rephium, and then the Nephilim came into being. They were a hybrid race. They 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 were no longer a hundred percent human. When the fallen angels mated with the human women, they corrupted the purity of their DNA, and their DNA became hybrid DNA. It was. Uh, uh, an ungodly mixture of fallen angel DNA that was breeding with uh, human female DNA, and their offspring was a hybrid between a fallen angel and a human woman. Okay, so that is like that science and technology is is racing at a as an, at a dizzying speed. And and one of the purposes, there's multiple purposes, but one thing I need to add, which I've mentioned before, but it's so important, it will be mentioned now and in the future. God goes out of his way in the Word of God to explain very clearly that men men and women that are 100% uh, men and women that come out of God's DNA, okay, those men and women are 100% human beings because 
their DNA as 100% human. Now, God in his word makes numerous references to the fact that the only people, the only men and women that will be able to have their sins forgiven, that will be able to be born again, and the only men and women who will be able to get into heaven and enjoy eternal life with Jesus Christ in their new, brand new glorified bodies forever and ever, the only people that salvation can be offered to and that salvation can be received by are human beings, men and women, who have 100% human DNA that comes from the biblical creator who passes his DNA down to human men and women. They breed and produce children, so on and so forth, throughout the generations. But the the qualifying distinction is all of their offspring have 100% human DNA. So their their children have 100% human DNA. When the fallen angels went, 200 fallen angels descended on Mount Hermon, they mated with human women and created a hybrid race that was mixed. So their offspring were no longer 100% human beings. They were a hybrid race uh, consisting of DNA from both human women and fallen angel DNA. Now, again, the reason this is important, it's part of the great spiritual battle. Satan or Lucifer knows that any person that calls himself or herself a human being, but in reality, whose DNA and genetic code proves that they're really not 100% human because they're really part of a hybrid race where the DNA of a human female was mixed with something synthetic, artificial, uh, something non-human, and something that's not human, even though it looks human, cannot be saved. So God goes out of his way to explain that, and he begins explaining, you know, God gives a very uh, sophisticated discourse in genetics in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And God makes it perfectly clear that salvation is only available to uh, those people that are 100% human, because only those people that are 100% human are qualified to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. People who are not 100% human cannot be saved. This is a law of God that's immutable. So it's very serious. You know, you are responsible, to the best of your ability, to, to take charge of your DNA. So why are they doing this? Okay, well, Satan knows. Satan, his number one goal is to blind people from recognizing that Jesus Christ is the Savior to blind people from the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and Satan's job is to prevent people from receiving Christ and being saved. He knows that that's 100% guaranteed. If he can get men and women, especially human females, to breed with non-human DNA creatures or 
artificial human beings or android human beings or whatever, Satan knows once a person is not really a hundred percent human being and is an artificial human being, Satan knows that that person, male or female, it is impossible for them to get saved. So no matter how much you evangelize or whatever, you, that person cannot be saved. That person is doomed to spend all eternity in the lake of fire. It's very, very sobering. It's very, very disturbing. But that is the law of God. Now, remember God's law. In order to be saved, you have God went out of his way to say human beings are Men and women, human beings, real human beings, are the highest order of God's creation. Nothing is higher in all of God's creation than human beings that are 100% human. Nothing is higher than that. Angels, there's no, I don't care whether it's Lucifer or how powerful the angel is, whether the angel is God's angel or Satan's angel. Angels in ranking are underneath mankind, real mankind, in stature. So, men and women that are human are God's highest level of creation. We should never forget that. They're the crown of God's creation. So, um, Satan wants to create, this is what the transhumanist movement is about. Remember when Satan indwelt the serpent of old in the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden, and he used spiritual deception while speaking to Eve and then Adam. And he lied to Eve about her desire to eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And he told her that she would not die, like God said, if they ate from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. In fact, Satan indwelling the serpent of old, lied and said, no, if you eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, you will become God, knowing good from evil. So that was the the big hook for Satan, the fallen angels, and sinful men and women. The lust to be God. The lust to be as gods. The whole humanistic, transhumanistic movements are built on the foundation of man's desire to be God. They want to replace God. That's why they want to create their own race of beings, because transhumanism is a way that they think they can do an end run around God and become their own gods and create their own heaven. That's what it's all about. And then other things, they want to create super soldiers. Imagine soldiers that are 24 feet high, you know, 400 pounds, uh, don't need sleep. That, that can be done now. You let loose an army of genetically modified uh, uh, non-human DNA super soldiers to invade any nation and give them the latest and most advanced technology there will be no stopping them. It would not surprise me, even in our lifetime, it would not surprise me 
if one of the enemies of the United States of America, a highly sophisticated, highly powerful, highly scientific, and highly wealthy nation, for example, like Russia or China, could potentially invade the United States of America with with ships or jets or submarines or whatever, and the soldiers that they that they would have to invade America would be these gigantic super soldiers with super technology. And they would be super soldiers with super technology because they're not human being soldiers. They're genetically enhanced super soldiers. And imagine a, a conventional army of human beings or even citizens trying to fight off an invasion from genetically modified super soldiers with futuristic technological and scientific weapons. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to fully grasp the danger that would happen, and yet it could happen, it, and it is happening. Okay, let's make another abrupt turn here. And let's throw out this question. First of all, the existence of super soldiers, genetically modified super soldiers that are not human, they have non human DNA. They're synthetic humans, they're human beings that do not have the DNA of God, and the DNA that would represent an authentic man or woman. So those are here. I believe they're already in laboratories being manufactured, along, by the way, with cyborgs and androids and robots. Okay, so no matter what your position is on certain things like the rapture, the timing of the rapture, the tribulation, it's 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 useless to argue about the timing of such things when it comes to certain discussions, such as the existence of genetically modified super soldiers with non-human DNA. Because that there's nothing in the Bible that says that that can only happen after the rapture. It can happen before the rapture, it can happen tomorrow. And I believe, you know, the military has released an enormous amount of information on this stuff publicly, declassified information. Now, whenever they release that kind of information on a declassified basis, the reality is that in real life, they're far, far, far ahead of, of what they decided to release. So what they released is, is a drop in the bucket compared to what they really have. Now. In the last days, how are you and I, our children, our grandchildren, how are we going to fulfill God's mission and calling on our lives? How are we going to make it through? And I don't want to argue about the timing of the rapture again. However long we're here, we're going to need God's help. That's why he said, Occupy until I come. So the present level of spiritual power in the average um, 
evangelical, born-again Christian is, I believe, it's way, way lower in its power level than God designed for Christians to live in. So what I mean by that is, is the only, what caused the early church on the day of Pentecost There was no way prior to the day of Pentecost, even after spending all that time with Jesus Christ, that the disciples could have even come remotely close to to conquering the Roman Empire spiritually and spreading the gospel around the world. They just did not have it in them. And that's after learning directly from Jesus. What was it that the disciples had in the first century? that we don't have now, today, while we're in the middle of the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. What, what, what are we lacking? Well, it's really simple. We are lacking what God's Word says we're lacking in the book of Acts, and that is power from on high. You know, a lot of Christians are embarrassed for saying that. Power from on high or being clothed with power from on high. And that power from on high comes from the translation of the word power from on high. The root translation of that word comes from the word dunamis, which means dynamite or an explosive dynamite-like force. So what that means is that when you translate accurately those verses, and God, what does God tell you? And you hear people, you hear people carve up the Bible and, you know, any old way they feel like. When God says, you know, receive power from on high, it's not a debate. It's like, hey, do it, obey me, receive power from on high. So you receive power from on high. That means you are receiving the dunamis, the dynamite, explosive power of God. And that's really powerful. So we're to be clothed with power from on high. We're to be walking in that supercharged anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we are to be so we, the average Christian, you and me, are to be so overwhelmingly powerful in the Holy Spirit because we're clothed with power from on high, and the amount, amount of spiritual power that any one of us can release is like the dunamis. It's the explosive dynamite force of God that can destroy satanic strongholds, that can break bondages, that can deliver people, that can, that can uh, force demonic armies to their knees. One explosion of the dunamis dynamite power of God uh, ignited by a whole bunch of true Christian intercessory prayer warriors could send the demonic armies attempting to occupy and pull down and destroy America. That that it wouldn't even be a threat if God's people were lined up with his will like they're supposed to be. In other, in other words, right now in the invisible realm, the spiritual world, there are 
I would estimate, millions of fallen angels of various rankings, principalities and powers, the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places, uh, and other references to, to, to rankings of demons. And we're not supposed to be, like, you know, freaked out about that. We're supposed to engage in high-level spiritual warfare against the demonic armies. Why? Because the demonic armies have been sent to America and sent especially to the homes of Christians by Satan for the purpose of destroying America and, and demolishing it so that the gospel cannot be preached from America. In other words, these demonic armies want to finish up with what Sir Francis Bacon and the Rosicrucians and the Illuminati and the rest of the uh, occult secret societies started. They want to finish it up. Because Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, so the Christian, the average Christian, the average Christian church, the average Christian youth group, worship group, whatever. Right now, I believe that in the eyes of God, the normative uh, group of Christians does not possess anywhere near the required level of spiritual power to win the battle, the spiritual battle, and drive out the demonic armies. Our, our level of power, the level of our uh, charge is too weak. We're in, the, in the, the greatest last day's battle before the return of the Lord, for crying out loud. We have to have all of God's power. So we need, if that wasn't just for the early disciples, every person who calls themselves a Christian needs to come to the Lord and ask God to clothe them with power from on high, ask God to fill them with the Holy Spirit, ask God um, to, to release the dunamis, the explosive dynamite force of God, out of their lives. So that, so that the power of God detonates with an enormous inertia, enormous force, pulverizing and decimating the demons, the demonic armies, the works of darkness, and all those men and women that are partnering with Satan. So now, instead of having millions of Christians in America that have a spiritual power level that you could categorize generously as being lukewarm. And remember what the church, uh, what Jesus Christ said to the church of Laodicea? I think the church of Laodicea is very similar to the church of, uh, to, to the church in America. Jesus rebuked the church of Laodicea. He said to them, um, you know, I'm rebuking you because you're lukewarm, because you're neither hot or cold, but I wish you were lukewarm. Why? Because because being hot means you're either totally on fire with the power from God, or you're totally hard-hearted in rebellion from God. You're not wishy-washy. And that's why Jesus Christ 
rebuked the Laodicean church for being wishy-washy and accused them of being lukewarm. Lukewarm is disgusting to God. He, he said to them, but because you're lukewarm, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. I believe with all my heart that we can have an authentic, biblical, third great awakening in America and an authentic and biblical and genuine revival in America. I don't believe you sit around and wait for it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes, there's a time to tarry. Yes, there's a time to wait on the Lord in prayer. But look, use your common sense. You've been waiting on the Lord and tarrying uh, on the Lord for, for a lifetime, let's say 60 years or 50 years or whatever. Uh, you know, and then it's time for the Lord to take you home and stuff. And the revival never came and the revival didn't come uh, to your, your father's uh, generation. There's something wrong with that thinking, don't you think? I mean, really, use your common sense. Does that make sense? With Is that something God would do, just tease his people? No, there, there's a theological screw loose in, in, in the lives, in the brains of a lot of Christians. You receive power from on high like the first century disciples do. Did. You meet in an upper room, you meet alone, you meet wherever, you, you pray, you call on God, you repent of your sins, you humble yourself before God, you may want to fast. And then you cry out to God, and you're passionate about it. You don't just ask mealy-mouthed and, and crawl away like some cockroach. You're not a cockroach in the eyes of God. You're a son and daughter of God. So you call out to God, and you ask God to fill you with power from on high. You ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you ask God to clothe you with power from on high and to release the dunamis, the dynamite, explosive power of God in your life. All of a sudden, when you have a significant percentage of Christians praying in that manner, because it says the fervent and uh, uh, effective prayer, it's got to be both fervent and effective prayer. That's when God releases mighty biblical revival, when you're serious about it, when you're tenacious, and when your heart is filled with faith and it's biblical. I believe that if God's people would start doing it now, and you could start, you could start doing it now. I, I pray every day for this kind of revival, and I'm believing God for it. You could start out with praying uh, such a prayer three minutes a day while your head's on the pillow. And don't tell me you can't stay awake for three minutes. And you go into the throne room of God boldly. And you ask God to send revival and a biblical third great awakening. Now, that, that's a very small beginning, but let me tell you something. It's like turning the, uh, the, the, the switch on the uh, gas range in the, in the kitchen. You know, when it first comes on, it just starts to click. It's, it's sparking, it's clicking. The gas hasn't hit it yet. But when the gas hits the spark, it ignites and you've got a hot blue flame. Well, revival is like that. You've got to turn it on. When the Holy Spirit ignites 
by God's word, he'll begin to pour out a revival. He'll begin to shake up the wicked, drive out the powers of darkness. This can be done. This is doable. Now, let me speak to you in closing directly from my heart with enormous intentionality. And directly, I want to speak to your heart. I believe our greatest problem as Christians and believers today is not the amount of demonic armies. It's not the wickedness and evil in the world. It's not all these external things that are attacking us. Oh, yes, all of those things are of vital importance. Don't get me wrong. But the single most critical factor in deciding whether or not we will win this spiritual battle is this. The moment we decide to stop playing church, the second we decide to stop playing church, and the second we decide to begin even the smallest steps of repentance and intercession and asking God to pour out a biblical revival and a biblical third grade awakening, that will be the second the third great awakening begins and the second a biblical revival begins. Look, you either believe the Bible or you don't. If you've got one foot in each world, God says he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. You either believe the Bible or you don't. You're either hot or cold, but you're not lukewarm. So you're going to either, it's the same with your salvation. If you, you putz around and never got down to asking Christ to save you, guess what? You're not saved. You want to see revival? God will send revival. The second, the second, even a small number of Christians begin to pray for it. And what you will see faster than you can possibly imagine, you will start to see escalating signs of revival and a great awakening. You'll notice things here and there that weren't happening prior to the prayers. And then you'll notice that your prayers are beginning to generate momentum. The wicked are being torn out of their seats of power, and righteousness is winning for a change. You'll see uh, uh, the beginnings of a massive transformation in this nation. But here's the single greatest battle that we're facing. It's a stronghold. Remember, a stronghold is a satanically energized argument against us. The body of Christ in America has committed, uh, is, I believe, is the most grievous sin that the body of Christ in America has committed. And it is this grievous sin that is locking the doors to revival. The grievous sin is we have allowed the sin of unbelief to come into our hearts, and we have allowed a, a satanic stronghold to come into our hearts and minds and nation. And this satanic stronghold is this false belief. It's, it's this lying spiritual deception energized by Satan, which is attempting to tell us, no, you can't have a biblical uh, third great awakening. No, you can't have a biblical and authentic uh, biblical revival. 
there are no more revivals. Every revival has to be a, a counterfeit. And all the endless parade of non-biblical justifications and the endless parade of non-biblical arguments lamely attempting to to make legitimate a lie, a, a theological lie that for some strange reason God can't give us the revival and the great awakening that we're asking for. That right there is the stronghold, the major one. It's that right there that we have to repent of. You know, Christians never talk about the sin of cowardice. It's in the book of Revelation. So the minute we begin to admit our greatest sin, which is repenting over allowing that stronghold of unbelief, and a false belief that we can't have a revival or great awakening. The minute we identify and accept responsibility for that sin, that stronghold, and, and that could be today, that will be the beginning of a massive, authentic biblical revival that will shake this nation. Oh, it's it's not going to come without a cost. There's going to be upheaval. There's going to be riots. There's going to be turmoil. All hell's going to break loose. But guess what? All heaven's going to break loose simultaneously. And remember, then what will happen, you'll see it with your own eyes for the first time in your life. You will see the armies of God beginning to march in victory and triumph. That's what God wants to do. And we're on the precipice of it. We're on the precipice of it. It's within striking distance. In, in, the, in, in the invisible realm, it's like I can reach out and I can lay hold of it and grab it and bring it into my heart. And when I bring it into my heart by faith, it ignites in, in, the, in the spiritual world of our nation. So let's make a quick prayer if we have time. Lord Jesus Christ, we repent of our sins. We ask you to forgive us for the sin of doubt and unbelief, unbelief of your word. We repent for not believing you for revival, for not believing you for a biblical third great awakening, and we repent for not occupying the land, God. Lord, cleanse us and the body of Christ with the blood of Jesus Christ right now. Forgive us. And we ask that you would pour out your mighty spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.